Welcome to Unsupervised Learning, where we explore the models, patterns, and ideas that prepare you for what's coming next. All right, welcome to episode 358. This is Daniel Meisler. Starting off with security news, there's a newish scam going around called pig butchering, which combines a romance scam with an investment scam. So it starts with a fake profile that contacts the victim and builds up a relationship over time. Then they start dropping hits about an investment opportunity. And if the victim invests, they might actually pay them out to gain even more trust from them. And then eventually over time, they ask for the big one, often up to hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably based on how much they think they have after building up this relationship. And then they then steal that money before disappearing completely from their lives. So talk to your loved ones about this type of attack, especially if they're lonely and or gullible. The director of the FBI says he's extremely concerned about China's ability to weaponize TikTok. He specifically cited misuse of the data collected on Americans and China controlling the recommendation algorithm. Thousands of apps in Apple's App Store, including the CDC app, have software in them from a company that was pretending to be American, but was actually Russian. A China-based threat actor has been using 42,000 lookalike domains to run phishing campaigns since at least 2019. Researchers at Midiga found hundreds of Amazon RDS instances exposed to the internet, resulting in the leakage of PII. Google has identified 34 cracked versions of Cobalt Strike being used in the wild. Riot and Ubisoft are teaming up to use AI to detect toxic behavior in chats. Quote, the objective of this project is to initiate cross-industry alliances to accelerate research on harm detection, end quote. Musk evidently sends emails with slightly different spacing and punctuation so as to identify leakers. And this thread here that I've linked to is a Twitter thread and it talks about claims that other companies are doing this as well, including Apple, supposedly. Vulnerabilities. There are many high severity vulnerabilities in F5's big IP and big IQ devices that can lead to full system takeover. Technology news. TSMC is going to produce three nanometer chips in Arizona. The plant's currently under construction and they plan on starting production in 2024. Amazon appears to be gutting the Alexa division. I get that it hasn't taken off in corporations the way they thought it would, but it seems very short-sighted to give up a significant lead in consumer voice assistance. So hopefully they just scale back and go less aggressive, but don't completely give up on this. Thousands of songs have been released by Tencent in China that used AI to mimic human singing, and one of them has been streamed over 100 million times. And it looks like Tesla owners might soon have an Apple Music app. A version was seen running on an internal vehicle. I really hope this happens. I would love to use Apple Music in my car. Human News. A new paper supports previous work showing that walking does make you more creative but additionally showed that one, it continued working when people returned to sitting and two, it continued if people walked again. So no attenuation. Elizabeth Holmes has been sentenced to over 11 years in prison for defrauding Theranos investors. Nearly one in five Americans listen to a podcast every day. 
and FTX and other crypto explosions or getting people to look at proof of reserves as a solution, which is essentially proving that you can pay off all of your various promises. Seems like that would be a step zero thing for any financial organization. Ideas and analysis. AI is about to feel like AGI, and you need to get ready for this. This is my latest essay, which you can read on the site. It is a open and free essay. Next idea here, hedonic baselining. There's a link in Discovery this week about bad coffee and how the writer is all into bad coffee right now, despite being a coffee snob. I'm super into coffee as well, but lately I've been exploring the idea of what I'm calling hedonic baselining which is my own bastardization of a lot of real research around controlling your dopamine, essentially. It's basically the idea if you expose yourself constantly to peaks of experience for anything, you basically screw yourself because regression to the mean results in a letdown. A few examples of this, food, eating raw foods with very few additives will reset you so that one, the food now tastes remarkable, could be like a basic salad or whatever and starts to taste really good, and two, any hint of salt or fat in something will be spectacular. So for sex, avoid sex or sexual media, and within a few days, you'll become aroused by basic clothing or the smell of decent soap. For inputs, if you stop watching like Game of Thrones serially or like one Game of Thrones after another, and instead get into quieter and more subtle art forms, you'll notice and enjoy the slight ripples in the art. Think Game of Thrones transitioning to Anna Karenina or 50 Cent transitioning to Kendrick Lamar, or watching TikTok transitioning to reading Moby Dick. I'm playing with my own sort of experiment with doing this with coffee by having like fast and kind of okay coffee most of the time, and then doing my favorite clover technique with my favorite coffee, which I just ground, doing that more occasionally and as a treat so that I enjoy it more. Next idea here is social media more positive than we think. Fascinating new analysis just came out from Pew that indicates the social media might be more mixed and or positive for teens than recent narratives have suggested. It paints a picture of overall positivity and connection with extremes at the ends of positive and negative. And I can see this both ways. One, that we're maybe in a moral panic around social media and it's nowhere near as bad as we've been saying it is. Or two, the people responding to the poll are unaware of its negative effects, so they list it as more positive than it actually is, because they're not able to see the full impact on their lives. When have we actually known teenagers to be good judges of their reasons for being happy or sad, or the effects of various things in their life on their happiness? I think we should definitely take their input as data, and we should listen to them, but not assume it's telling us what it seems to be telling us. And I could definitely see both of these things, you know, happening at the same time. Next idea here, testosterone and winning. There's been a ton of study and talk recently about how men have far lower testosterone than men used to have, like back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, depending on the study. There's also a lot of talk about how men are falling behind in education, in the workplace, getting good jobs, whatever, compared to women and compared to men of the past, and how this is damaging men's ability to attract a mate. Well, ever since learning that testosterone is not a violence hormone, which is what I grew up believing, I think everyone believed that, and there's actually a hormone for winning and striving, that brought me to a super and possibly overly simple question and model. 
what if men have lower testosterone because they're both striving and winning less today than they were before? In other words, if men aren't as goal oriented, don't have as clear of goals, aren't pursuing those goals and therefore aren't achieving them, wouldn't that massively reduce testosterone levels? In other words, maybe testosterone is so comparatively low today because men in the 60s, 70s, and 80s had a better idea of what to do and were actually doing it. And today's men are lost. All right, next idea here. Companies as Alaskan fishing boats. What if companies are supposed to be like Alaskan fishing boats? You know, the kind from The Deadliest Catch. So you have this tiny crew of total badasses. Everyone is a superhero at their particular role because the crew needs to stay extremely small to protect profits. The captain is basically a dictator. Anything they say goes. The mission is clear, and bad performances from anyone is immediately noticeable and immediately dealt with. You hurt your back? Sorry, you're a great crew member, but you're not going out on this trip. You want to spend more time with your brother who's visiting, like from out of country or something? Cool. Well, you're off the ship. This crew is for hardcore people only. Does that remind you of anything? Reminds me of how Elon is running things at his companies and now at Twitter. Being somebody who likes people and who wants to see them happy and thriving, I'm disgusted by this approach to managing people. But thinking about the actual economics of it and thinking about what a fishing boat or a social media company is actually there to do, I'm not sure this is the wrong approach. In fact, I think it might be the only approach that doesn't lead to a constant pendulum of hiring thousands of people with multiple levels of management, which creates a structure and culture of mediocrity who then have to be laid off on every down cycle. So here's the question. Is it possible to run a company like an Alaskan fishing boat without being an asshole? To do so with empathy and camaraderie and kinship? I think so. I think it's just harder and that there are multiple forces working against anyone who tries to do so. Not the least of which is the fact that people now join companies thinking they're getting a second home and specifically not an Alaskan fishing boat. I also like this analogy for another reason. It makes it clear that it's a job and not your identity. You are not a crew member on some fishing boat. You are not IBM employee 332-9087. You're a human. So sure, you can serve on the boat and be paid, but don't let that captain tell you your value. Your value is in yourself, not what you do working on a fishing run. I think this way of thinking about work brings clarity to multiple phenomena that we're currently witnessing. Notes. So I've been flirting with this new terminal and shell application. Um, the terminal is Warp and the shell is Starship. They're both written in Rust. They're very fast. Warp is just utterly gorgeous. It's just beautiful and super fast. It's just, I want to use it, but it doesn't support Vim mappings, which means I can't do JK to roll back through my command history. I can't use my Vim commands to edit the CLI, like right there on the line. It's just, super frustrating. Um, I, I said here that I'm not sure how long I can go without those. Well, it didn't even last a week. I tried really hard, but it didn't work. Um, but yeah, it's so gorgeous. It makes other terminal apps look like DOS prompts from the 1730s. And yeah, they're both written in Rust and it just feels fast. It just feels great. I just, I need them to adopt Vim bindings. So I'll be back, uh, hopefully once that happens. My new nootropic experimentation is going extraordinarily well, though I'm also working out more. So the benefits are definitely multivariate there. 
I'm starting to think of things like working out and walking as nootropics, which I think helps somehow. Like everyone wants the limitless pill and I already enjoy walking and working out. So I like to think of the latter as the former. And I can't wait to get started on my new mobile app around wellness. You'll be hearing more about it soon, but I won't get into it heavily until January or February. And one reason that I acutely need this app for myself is for mood capture. I had one of my highest moods ever earlier today, or this would have been yesterday. And what the app is going to do is be able to associate that with my having done certain activities recently that do or don't align with my identity and my goals. So that's the teaser and I can't wait to talk more about it. And the discovery links are in the newsletter at danielmisor.com slash newsletter. The recommendation of the week is that I believe there will be within one to three years, companies that come into your job and find all the different human work that can be automated using new AI models, answering the phone, customer service, creating reports, sending emails, doing performance analysis, data analytics, threat detection, business planning, contract review, vendor analysis. The list is endless. You've got to get ready for this. This won't result in some giant layoff. It'll look like more normal attrition and change within a company combined with simply not hiring people back, starting in like, I'm guessing, two to five years and accelerating from there. Be thinking about what business you want to start or how you can avoid working at all. Now, here's the good news. It's going to be a lot easier to be a one-person business because AI, while it's getting rid of a whole lot of knowledge work from corporations, it will also enable single business owners to be able to do so much of the work that used to require a staff because you could just give that to the AIs at that point. So get ready for this. Lots more very small businesses with like one to five people in them. And then get ready for a world where a lot of knowledge workers, probably most, cannot do anything better than an AI can. And the aphorism for the week, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. Milton Burrow. Unsupervised Learning is produced and edited by Daniel Meisler on a Neumann U87 AI microphone using Hindenburg. Intro and outro music is by Zombie with a Y. And to get the text and links from this episode, sign up for the newsletter version of the show at danielmeisler.com newsletter. We'll see you next time. 